Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Right back to the Balloon Party with Tim McKernan live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Okay, they call this the uh, Balloon Party. 10 o'clock every day here on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. He's off this week and my guest in studio, longtime NHL referee, and that is Tim Peel, as we're going to talk a little hockey. If you want to uh, text us, you have questions about refereeing or you want to just talk a little hockey and the Blues do play tonight, the uh, text line 399-9646, 399-9646. We're also seen on YouTube. Time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. As I get out my phone, and was not prepared to give you the time check. It's at 10.04 here on a Wednesday. Wednesday, buddy. Doesn't it feel, uh, doesn't it feel a little weird, uh, you know, because I, I couldn't figure out when Christmas was. I could <laughs> like, what day is what? But it is a Wednesday. I know. It is it is a little strange. First of all, how was your Christmas? It was great. I run the show. I'm supposed to ask you that oh, question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. Great being with family. And yeah. uh, you have a young family, so yeah. that's pretty much fun, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Bronson's nine, or 11 and Brielle's nine. We got them a puppy for Christmas. Uh, they've wanted one God for speed. a couple of years. Yeah, we finally caved. So no, it was a it was a great Christmas, and uh, it's the best time of the year to spend time with your family and watch movies at home and some hockey tonight, and it'll be great. Potty trained, or you have to go through that? Am I potty trained? Yeah, I know dog? you are. You're okay. good. The kids are too. They're old enough. No more diapers. <laughs> We're working on the dog. It's a work in progress. <laughs> A work in progress. Exactly. So that means you're getting up at night? Getting up, uh, not too bad. It's sleeping in pretty good. So yeah. I'm up at five and take the dog out and have a coffee and, and, uh, and no, away it's you doing go. great. It, yeah, it's doing great. It's how, awesome. How many years were you an NHL referee? 23. 23. 23 yeah. And was, I think the main thing that this show can maybe get out there is that you're a fan of the game. I mean, you're not just a fan of watching the referees and and what they're doing right or wrong, in your mm-hmm. opinion, but you love the game of hockey. Yeah, I certainly do. You know, growing up uh, in Canada, having dreams of playing in the NHL, I quickly realized at a young age that I wasn't a good enough player, and so I pivoted to uh, to officiating. And, you know, living in St. Louis for 22 years now, Danny, it's unbelievable. We've 22. known each other that long. And uh, certainly a big blues fan now. I was always a closet blues fan when I was refereeing, but uh, now that I'm uh, I'm up able to go to the games as a fan, you know I'm a big blues fan, and certainly uh, the last couple of years uh, since I've been retired, I watch every game and and uh, I'm always rooting for them. How about the uh, the goal the other night with Connor Bedard? Had you seen one in person like that? I haven't. I and we're haven't. talking about the Michigan goal. Yeah, the Michigan. 
No, I haven't seen it. And uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because I was texting and, you know, our good friend Kelly Chase, shout out to him. He's battling leukemia right now. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in Chicago watching the Blues and the Blackhawks. My son had a, a tournament up there and uh, him and I were texting. He was in the hospital over at Siteman and and uh, he goes, didn't this used to be a rivalry? And I said, well, there's been four checks tonight. And I think I said, I think all four of them have been by Braden Chen. Our game, I love our game, and but it's almost turning into a skills competition now. There's no physicality. We can't take the hitting out of our game. We've evolved as a society. You know, we wear seatbelts. We don't smoke on airplanes. I get all that. We don't want, we don't, we're not, I'm not condoning or, or encouraging we go back to bench clearing brawls, although that was fun to oh, watch. Oh, it was fun. I miss it. But we can't take the physicality out of, out of our game. And, and uh, I think that our game is, is becoming a bit of a skills competition like we saw with Connor Bedard the other night. Bedard's awesome to watch, isn't he? He's incredible. Uh, he's a very good player. Uh, I think there was a lot of hype about him. I'm not sold 100% that he is going to be a... He'll be a superstar in this league, but I personally don't think he's going to be at the same level a Connor McDavid is at. I don't. I don't think he skates like a Connor McDavid. But who does? <laughs> but who does? Good <laughs> right. point. Nathan McKinnon's pretty close. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. He's eight, 18 years old. You know, he's had a lot of, a, there's a lot of pressure on an 18-year-old kid coming in the NHL. You know, you and I have been watching this game for 30, 40 years. 18-year-olds didn't play in the NHL 15 years ago. They went to the minor leagues. They stayed in junior. But these kids are so prepared and ready to play in the NHL right now. It's remarkable. 314 asking, so do refs have favorite teams as well, or are they less fans of the game due to the nature of their job? I think it's a great question. And I can't remember what we were talking about yesterday. Oh, it was, it was about Drew Bannister, and he had coached in the AHL. I think it was 11 players that suited up for Bannister in the AHL. Mm -hmm. And I said, one of the things you got to do if you're the head coach of the Blues, you got to come in with preconceived, can't have preconceived notions about particular players. It is human nature. Guys are chirping all the time. They're giving you trouble. You're giving it back. Mm -hmm. You can't do that though as a referee. It's tough to do, isn't it? It is. You've got to uh, you've got to put that on the on the back burner or on the bench. You know the question: Do we have favorite teams? I grew up a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, but when I refereed the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you pulled the Toronto Maple Leaf fans right now, they'd probably say Tim Peel hated the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's just the nature of the business. So even though you grew up a fan of a certain team, when you go on the ice, you you can't officiate that way, or you know you'll be out of the league pretty soon, pretty quickly. So no, we don't have a favorite team, and uh, it certainly doesn't sway us in how we referee a game. Was there a point of emphasis rules wise going into this season? With you know, and and the refs are always brought in, mm -hmm. and they say, okay, you gotta you gotta look at this. We're gonna look at clutching. We're gonna look at grabbing. We're gonna look at the the physical nature of the play and make sure guys are healthy enough to stay on the ice. Was there something this year that was a point of emphasis for the refs? I don't think there was a specific uh, point of emphasis. I think basically they want us or they want them to maintain the standard that they incorporated a few years ago. Hooks on the hands, clutching and grabbing, as you mentioned, cross-checking in front of the net. Those are the points of emphasis that they, they want the referees, there's a, they call it the NHL standard. That's the standard that they want them to call from game one of the season through game 82.
Okay, makes sense. Um, how much do referees get reviewed by the NHL? Blown calls, missed calls, and do they get penalized for their errors? And that's from the uh, 314. Great question. Every game, every game we're watched. You know, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. But as we know in sports, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, social media, a call gets missed, it's on social media. It's the same thing with the, with the officials. They have a situation room in Toronto. They watch every game. They, they have a crew that watches the game, and then they have guys in the background, and they're called markers, and they are assigned to a specific game. So Joe Smith is watching the Dallas-St. Louis game, and he is watching every call that the officials make. He makes he writes down good call, missed call, soft call. Every call is is, is magnified or, or looked at. So our, our officials are under a lot of scrutiny, and, and that's good and bad. I think sometimes it can be bad for the game because a lot of the young officials coming up we see it in certain games where you're like, geez, that's not a penalty, but there's so much pressure on them to maintain the standard that they feel I better go out and call penalties. Cause if I don't call any penalties tonight, cause, and there's some games you don't need to call any penalties. There really is. There's some games where it's up and down and they're just playing. That's when the, the, uh, the good official says, I can't get involved. I just need to let the game develop and happen, and I'll, I'll get involved when something does happen. So back in the day, did a GM or a coach call the league office and say, okay, Tim Peel did this, that, and the other, and you may want to review it because now the video is readily available. Every game's on television. If you want to go back and look at it, different angles, you can. But back in the day, did they kind of keep a little notepad, write it in? Maybe they're making notes about their team and then call the league office. 100%. They still do that. They still do that. They did it years ago, and they still do it now. I've been in certain dressing rooms around the league, and uh, the home team or the visiting team may not have liked the way that the game ended, and all of a sudden you hear a bang on the door, and it's the GM. And, and, <laughs> right. And he's fuming. And now there's fines assessed to those guys, so you don't see that as, as much anymore. But absolutely, if there's a, a you know the Dallas Blues game tonight, if if the officials screw up a call and, and Doug Armstrong uh, or Jim Nill, the GM of Dallas, aren't happy, boom, they're on the phone to Toronto and Coley Campbell or Stephen Walkham right away saying, hey, we lost this game because of this call we need you your officials to be better can you please in capital letters from the 314 explain why people get tossed out of the face-off dot so much <laughs> it seems like nothing ever happens it's a good question <laughs> it's a great question and it's very frustrating so there's this once you know there's a standard on penalties but there's also a standard for uh uh, centermen taking face-offs and and the standard is their skates have to be in line with with the markings on the ice they have to put their stick down a certain way you know patrice bergeron was one of the best centermen uh, in the last 15 years in the nhl and and he was so good on the face-offs like Sidney crosby so other players had to cheat to try to win the face-off and that's all the officials are trying to do is is conduct a fair face-off that it's fair for both sides and uh but i get it i i get frustrated myself i i'm sitting there watching i'm like really just drop the puck <laughs> just drop the just puck. drop it so we get this thing going man <laughs> tim peel is our guest a great guy call st louis home uh we're gonna get into the blues a little bit when we come back he's got a podcast snipes and stripes he does that with jeremy roenick and they look around the league and in particular at times they look at the blues that's next on the balloon party on 101 espn
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Okay, before we start talking about the Blues, and they'll be in action tonight against Dallas, and you can hear the game at 6, uh, 101 ESPN. Okay, you, you may not agree with this one bit, but a 314, and this is something that I believe should happen. Tim, how would you feel about refs doing press conferences after games? Not just about bad calls, but to defend and explain good calls like we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I've always felt if we're going to hold players accountable, mm-hmm. and that's part of their job, mm-hmm. then why aren't the refs, the umpires, those that make calls now in baseball, they have a pool reporter that can go down, ask the question, then they get the the answer, and that's what everybody's going to get. I'm not saying we need to put you up on a podium, but I wish there was more transparency as to why certain calls are made or not. No, that's a great question on the Is text. it fair? Uh, yeah, no, the question's very fair. Uh, they used to have a pool reporter that would come down like they do in baseball. I, I think they've got away with it or gotten away with uh, with it the last couple of years. The only thing that I would say to that is Tim Peel misses a call in St. Louis tonight. Happened a lot. Happened a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and I come out and I talk to uh, the, you know, the reporters and I tell them, yeah, I missed the call. Well, the, is that going to... Is that's not going to make anybody happy. They already know I missed the call. Like, sure. What am I going to say? I missed the call because this player was in my in the way. And the other problem is some guys on our staff are very good public speakers. Other guys, it could be a disaster. We have French guys. We you know we have we had a Russian on our staff a couple of years ago. Are they going to are the is it are they going to come out and just you know make a disaster of it? So. I get it. There is accountability. The accountability is, you know, they don't get picked for playoffs. Uh, Some officials are let go during the summer for for poor performance. Sure. Um, I was going to mention that you have a podcast again, Snipes and Stripes, and you uh, co-host that with Jeremy Roenick. So let me figure this out. Sniper... Jeremy Roenick, Stripes, referee Tim Peel. Very good. Very okay. good. Yeah. And he sniped a lot when, when he was in the NHL. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. JR is a, is a big personality. You know, is a tremendous player. One of the top U.S.-born players uh, ever to play in the league. We do it uh, every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock Central Time on NoFilter.net. And yeah, we're having a lot of fun with it. It's been uh, fantastic so far. 6 o'clock Wednesday night, NoFilter.net. Are you guys getting big guests? I mean, obviously, yeah. both of you know everybody in the league. Yeah, the last few weeks we had Marty Bedur, we had Evander Kane, we had Pat Maroon last week. Uh, this week, actually, we're, we're shaking it up a little bit. There's a new league uh, that a lot of St. Louis people wouldn't be aware of, but the Professional Women's Hockey League, they've started a six-team league in Canada and the U.S., and uh, we're actually going to have Jincy Dunn, who's from O'Fallon. She's playing in the league. Her uh, her brother is in the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets organization. So we're going to uh, we're going to touch on, uh, on women's hockey tonight, which is very important. Okay, you watch all the Blues games. I see you in attendance mm-hmm. a ton. Bringing your family down there, two little ones, your wife, 
not the dog. No, but you not guys yet. are not yet. They do they have a dog night at uh, Enterprise? They, they have every other kind of night. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Figure out ways to get people in the building. The way you really do it though is winning. Um, what have you thought of the Blues when you watch them on a night to night basis? First uh, word that would come to my head would be inconsistent. You know, they win two, lose two, win one, lose two. Um, it was unfortunate Craig Berube uh, being released, uh, you know, 10, 12, two weeks ago, 12 days ago. Uh, but it happens. It's a tough business. And Craig Berube is going to be in the NHL when he wants to be in the NHL. I heard a rumor the other day that he's probably going to do some work for TNT, a lot similar to what Rick Tockett did. And Rick Tockett went and worked for TNT, then kind of I don't want to say took the pick of the litter, but took the Vancouver job. Same thing with Craig Berube. He's won a Stanley Cup. Phenomenal person. It, it hurt me personally because I'm a friend of his. I love the guy. I know how much he loved it here in St. Louis. But it's part of the business. And and it's it's a lot different than it was, Danny, years ago when you, know, you had the big uh, Mike Stevens... Uh, uh, Scott Stevens trade, Shanahan, Pronger. You used to Gilmore. You used to have these blockbuster deals where three or four players would be would be traded out, and three or four would be brought in, like the when they brought in Al McGinnis from Calgary. Can't do that anymore with the salary cap, and certain players on the Blues, and and uh, one of them, you know, number twenty five, Jordan Cairo, was underperforming. Well. You can't trade an $8 million player these days. It doesn't happen in the NHL because the, every team is up against the cap. So it's unfortunate those two didn't see eye to eye. And uh, there was a certain style that Chief wanted uh, Jordan to play. And, and quite honestly, that's not Jordan's game. You don't hear fans in St. Louis boo all that much. But we heard it pretty loud and clear that night with Jordan Cairo. That was that was telling to me. Yeah, it was. And, and you know, I consider... You know, I've lived here for 23 years. I go down to the Cardinal games and I see when the opposing team make a great play, the Cardinal fans cheer up and stand up and cheer for the other team. The same way, same thing with hockey. It bothered the St. Louis fans because Craig Berube, you just kind of threw, you know, him under the bus by saying he's not my coach anymore and I have no comment. Well, this guy, he's a blue-collar coach. I've been out with him before where people come up, you know, people in the that are working in the kitchen at a local restaurant come out and, and say hi to him. He's just, he's such a nice guy, so down to earth. And people, that resonated with them because this is a guy that brought the first cup to, to St. Louis. So, in fairness to Jordan, he's 25 years old. He obviously uh, realized he made a mistake. And I, I'll give him credit. I, I said to my wife watching the game the next day, I said, it wouldn't shock me at all if he got the first start of the game. She goes, really? I said, I'm, he, this guy is so talented. He's such a tremendous player. And he showed it. And and Drew Bannister, you know, he's, he had Jordan in the American League, I think. He knows what makes him tick. Jordan Cairo is not going to go out and throw five checks a game. And and he his, he's got a certain skill set. So let him be that type of player. And I think he's going to have a tremendous year the, the remaining uh, season. Do you know Drew Bannister at all? I do not. I do not know him at all. I know he's paid his dues. I know he played a little bit in the National Hockey League. Uh, played a lot over in Europe. 
And uh, I think he's paid his dues and, and uh, is a smart hockey man. So I think he's, he'll do a good job here. Doug Armstrong, who I consider to be one of the best GMs in the league, if not the best, is is not going to bring somebody in that, that he doesn't have confidence in. And I think that uh, Drew will do a good job. Craig Berube on TV. That would be interesting. Yeah. Because I, I think... I don't know if he was monotone in answering a lot of the questions. He was just very matter-of-fact and to the point with the media, and sometimes that gets construed the wrong way. I think he was great with the media, so don't take what I'm saying wrong. Mm -hmm. But I I think he's just so direct and to the point. That'll be interesting how it translates to television. Yeah, no, I think he'll do a great job. The problem with with asking coaches uh, these days after a game, especially after a loss, asking them certain questions is the – the way you coach in the National Hockey League now is completely different than it was seven, eight, nine years ago. You used to be able to call out players. You used to be able to bench players. You used to be able to sit players, send them down to the minors. Now, and I see it in minor hockey, I see it in high school hockey, I see it at all levels, if you're too hard on a player, they just shut down. And it's kind of where our society is going to, where we've become very soft. So... It's tough to call out certain players because they either have it in them to say, you know what, screw you, I'm going to show you how good I am, or they just kind of check out and say, you know what, you'll be gone in in the next six months and I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm curious on your answer with this. When I watch the National Football League or even a high-end college football game, so talking about football, they've got a referee in the booth with them. And I would assume that referee is friends with the guys that are down there on the field and trying, and I'm talking about the refs, trying to separate that is hard. You know, I mean, if you disagree with a call and you're on television and you say, you know what, Tim Peel got that wrong. I mean, he's just flat out wrong. You don't hear that a lot. It's, it's funny how the refs kind of protect each other they tiptoe a little bit around it without saying it you know what i mean it's tough to to call out a ref it's very you know i on social media if people ask me what i think about a call if i disagree with the call i'll at least try to explain to them why the call was made because i've been there on the ice where i've missed many calls and screwed up a call because it's just human error it's the game is fast players are, are you know you get blocked out on a certain play so it's it's easy for us to sit at home danny and watch a replay three times and say the official got it wrong it's so but, fast and in, but in real, real time. time in real time it's that's what the officials are dealing with in the majority of the time they're right yeah they are it's they incredible are. I and agree. the game i guess the game really changed for you to an extent and for all referees so you were 23 years mm-hmm you know, you think about the first five to 10 years and you're, you're a hell of a skater, but this game is moving fast. And now when you watch Connor McDavid, who you mentioned before, or you watch some of the Cairo is another one that can skate and skate like the wind, trying to keep up with that and trying to say, I'm making the right call in real time. That is not an easy thing to do with the speed of the game. No, it's not. Uh, you're absolutely right to the last couple of years that, that I was, you know, I'm 52, 53. My last year I was, I was uh, 55 
And 55 is kind of old to be in this business. Most officials retire right around at the age 50 because to your point. I thought you were about 66. Well, that's what I I looked at for the last couple of years. But to your point, you've got Connor Bedard's 18 years old and Tim Peel's out there at 54, 55. Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm going to be able to skate as good as him. And, and, uh, you know, I always use this. uh, You've probably heard me say it before. I remember Connor Bedard coming down on me and I felt like one of those turnstiles at the New York subway spinning. (laughs) around because you got to read the play that's the biggest thing for these officials on the ice they have to read the play because it is impossible to skate backwards as far as fast as a player is skating forwards do they make you guys retire or after a certain amount of years say that's enough because Uh you're getting older and Game's young and we're fast and no disrespect, but you're not skating like you did 10 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, they can't put an age limit on it. Probably it's an HR thing. For sure. But but they say, you know what, uh, let's sit down. What they do now is they call it succession planning and they'll sit down with a a Tim Peel and say, you're 49. How many more years do you think you have left? Well, I think I've got six. You know what? We think you've got three. Okay. <laughs> How about we meet in the middle? We'll give you four. And and that's what exactly what happened. I was I was fifty years old, and they said we'll give you. You know, I think I thought I could go forever, and they gave me a four year deal, and you sign off on it, and you know when when your last year is. Did the league take care of you? I mean, now yeah. that it's all said yeah. and done, they yeah, took the care league, of the refs. The league's very uh, very. You know, they pay the officials well. Uh, the, their pension plan benefits. Uh, uh, the league's been very good to me. I have nothing negative to say about about how they treated me. How about injuries? Had a few in my career. Uh, nothing that kept me out for a long period of time. I had a high ankle sprain once, which... Ooh, those take a long those time. Those take a long time. Uh I, I, a few broken noses. I know that's hard to tell. And, uh, and then, uh, Alec Martinez, who plays for Vegas, he was playing for the LA Kings and he was shorthanded one night and they were on a penalty kill and he just, he had his head down. He turned around and took a slap shot. And I was like literally 15 feet from him and broke three of my, through three of my ribs. And, and I continued to work for the next month, but, but it was painful, you know, but I was lucky. I always felt for the refs, like Tony Twist is a great example. He is just unloading haymakers on some poor guy, and you got to get in the middle of this thing and break it up. That is not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And and you know, uh, fighting is is becoming less prominent uh, than it was uh, a few years ago. We still have a few fights, uh, but the linesmen they're trained to get in there when they know a player's being, uh, you know, is, is possibly going to get injured. We don't have as much fighting anymore. I kind of wish we had a little bit more. Oh, I miss you know. it. I who miss who it goes too. into the the refrigerator when a you know nobody when a fight's leaves. going? And nobody if you're in your leaves. seat, you're not going to the bathroom. No, this is not the time to do it. You want to watch it. I know. Right or wrong, you're going to sit there and watch it. I know. It, like I mentioned earlier, we've evolved as a society, and I think we there was too much fighting in our game right now, and. I think we're at a good place where we're, where we're at right now because the biggest thing that, that I o- have always worried about is if a player loses his helmet in a fight and falls back. And there was, a, vi- there was a video on social media the other day, and there was a linesman, Travis uh, Barker, I think his last name is. I worked with him my last couple of years, and there was a fight, 
and the player had lost his helmet. And as he was falling, the linesman came in and put his hand underneath the guy's head and saved his head from hitting the ice. It yeah. could, have been, could have been brutal. Tim Peel is our guest. 23 years in the National Hockey League as a ref. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan on the Balloon Party. And this is 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Filling in for Tim McKernan, I'm Dan McLaughlin, and that is Tim Peel, 23 years as a National Hockey League ref, and you're calling St. Louis home. Absolutely, buddy, yeah. 23 years. Uh, my wife uh, is from here, so you know the deal there. I'm not moving anywhere. No, you're stuck. <laughs> but no, I love it here. It's the best best decision I ever made. Uh, the NHL, back in 2001, they said, where do you want to move to in the U.S.? And and uh, I said, they said, you know, St. Louis would be central for us. You could go anywhere. Moved here, didn't know anybody. Kelly Chase took me under his wing and took me into Obi Clark's one day. And <laughs> never and left. The rest is history, exactly. <laughs> I see outside Matthew Rocchio, our producer engineer, is saying, oh, I'm just staring out outside because we have snow. You you were accustomed to a lot of snow up in Canada. I was. I Because that's we, where you're from. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in New Brunswick on the East Coast, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. I wish we had more snow here. You know, last Christmas, for example, it was really cold. It was brutally cold. And we went over to Meadowbrook to the golf course and our kids i took them out on the pond we played pond hockey we've done that once in the last you know two years that was an that was an everyday occurrence for me growing up in canada we'd go over to the local pond and play hockey all day and and you know mom and dad knew where we were at and and you left in the morning you came home when it was dark and you either came home because you lost all the pucks in the snow or or you know it was uh it was time to come home and eat so yeah i wish we we had a little bit of uh, snow here in st louis it, it makes it more fun at christmas time for sure how do you guys travel i know a lot of people are curious about that now major professional sports they're going to travel on a private plane. They're going to get to spot A to B, and it's going to be done very quickly. But the referees, a little different story. A little different, buddy. We didn't we didn't fly charter. We didn't fly private. We flew Southwest, American, whatever airline could get us there the quickest. How many it miles was, do you have? I then? had a lot. I had a lot. <laughs> I had a lot, and I, I, it's uh, it was a benefit of the job being able to keep the air miles and so on. But it was the worst part of our job, and our listeners know what it's like to travel and and flights delayed and flights canceled and you're at the airport all day it made for some long long days it by far was the worst part of the job best city outside of where you live where did you like to go and you probably didn't have a lot of time to explore the cities but where did you like to go Montreal. Montreal was one of my yeah. favorite cities. Uh, obviously, New York. But as far as the buildings, I was more of where are my favorite buildings rather than the city. Montreal was one of my favorite. Philadelphia. Loved working there. The fans were brutal. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't and know. And you if, enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Did I tell you the story about the sign guy in Philadelphia? No. So there's there's this famous guy. He sits behind the uh, visitor's goaltender in, in uh 
Philadelphia, and he's called the sign guy. He's had season tickets for 30 years. And every time he'd come out on the ice, he'd have a sign up, and it would say, Ref, you suck. So I, you know, I just would ignore him. So one night we're at a local establishment after the game, having a couple beers, and he comes up to me and he introduced himself. He goes, "I'm the sign sign guy." I go, "Oh, nice to meet you." And we had beers till two in the morning and laughed and joked. And so the next time I come to Philadelphia, I come out on the ice, and he's holding a sign, "Welcome back," and and it was no more ref, you suck. And I completely, <laughs> I completely won him over. And from that day forward, and I'd give him a fist pump, and he'd always smile. And, uh, you know, it's, a lot of fans have this perception of, you know, they see the black, you know, the striped jersey. I hate the refs. And all of a sudden they get to meet him out off the ice and they're like, okay, he's a pretty good guy. You yeah. Know? And uh, we just have a job to do. And we had, you know, we had, I had a Vander Kane on our show the other day and he said to uh, Jeremy Roenick, he goes, I used to hate Tim Peel. He goes, I hated him as a ref. He goes, he'd call penalties on, on me all the time. All-Star break 2016-17, we happen to be at the same resort in the Bahamas. And I run into him at the pool, and we're, we start drinking and hanging out for the next couple of days. And it completely changed our relationship because all of a sudden he he had this perception this is what Tim Peel was like. And all of a sudden now he goes, oh, geez, he, he's actually normal. He yeah. drinks beer. He likes to have fun, blah, blah, blah. So it's, uh, it's kind of – but we've lost that because players – you know, people would say, what's Connor McDavid like? What's Austin Matthews like? I go, I don't really know because they don't really talk to the officials anymore. They're sure. so focused on their own game. It's changed a lot. I've always told people, and I worked for the Blues for a number of years, so I had the opportunity and the great fortune to go to the Canadian cities. If you go to Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Montreal, uh, Toronto, and if you can go on a Saturday night, Go on a Saturday night to see one of the and whether or not the Blues are there, but take in a game in a Canadian city, especially if two Canadian teams are playing. It's hockey night in Canada. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You feel the energy in the city all day long. You know, Mario Lemieux, he was from Quebec, and he was obviously, you know, one of the best players ever to play the game. He's playing for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Penguins I'm refereeing them in Montreal on a Saturday night you could because he was from Montreal or from Quebec you could feel literally Danny the energy in that city going out for your for an afternoon walk Mario Lemieux in town Mario Lemieux in town like it's there is nothing like you say being in in Canada on a Saturday night Tim Peel is our guest we'll wrap it up when we come back 101 ESPN Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. About 10 minutes to go. Tim Peel is our guest, longtime NHL referee, over two decades in the National Hockey League. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tim McKernan has got the week off. I'm not sure who is in tomorrow, but it uh, won't be me and uh, won't be me on Friday either. So good to be with you, Tim. Thanks you for too, doing buddy. this. Um, what's your advice for for and there are kids out there, as you well know, that want to be an umpire or they want to be a ref or they want to get in some type of role in sports like that. What, what's your advice to those parents and those kids? It's 
You know, I started uh, officiating when I was 13, and I caddied in the summertime, and when the winter rolled around, I missed having the, the spending money. You know, I grew up in Canada, I think I told you, in a trailer park, and didn't have any money, and so I started refereeing at a very young age, and I did it for, for spending money, and I've told, you know, young kids around here, if you can do it, there's a couple benefits to it. One, obviously, is the money that you can make, but if you're a hockey player, it's, it gives you an opportunity to work on your skating. And uh, and I tell a lot of high school kids that are playing high school hockey, like, hey, go referee the 8Us, the 10Us, the 12Us. They you know, pay you 50 bucks a game. You get a chance to work on your skating. And the biggest thing is to ignore the white noise and ignore the, the parents. And I see it in, in a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the buildings, the local rinks here in St. Louis is, you know, unfortunately, the uh, the parents are the biggest problem on, on most of these uh, at, at, at all sports. I yeah. see it at soccer, baseball, year round. Just youth it. athletics. Youth athletics. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Does your kid want to do this? I don't know. He's he he might. You know, he's he's refed a couple fun games with me, and uh, and he did he you know he did well at it. Uh, I'll I'll promote it. You know, I'll I'll encourage it and and. Uh, if he wants to do it, I think it's it's great. You know, when I started doing it, Danny, I was making five bucks a game, ten bucks a game, and not that everyone can make it to the NHL, but you know, for me, I growing up in Canada, I wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and all of a sudden in my early teens, I realized, you know what. I'm not that good of a hockey player. I can skate, but I've got hands like cement blocks, and I'm not going to play in the NHL. And so I pivoted in my early 20s, and I'm like, you know what? I think I can be a ref in the NHL. And I I encourage it for any young official out there because it's a great job. You're, You're... you know, I remember working games at Madison Square Garden in New York and skating on the ice and, and, the, and you know, you're in one of the most iconic buildings in the world. And, and I'm like, I grew up in a trailer park, 1,500 people. Now I'm working at Madison Square Garden. It yeah. doesn't get any better than this. And people don't know, maybe you do, but you were adopted yep. and yep. grew up in a trailer park. Yep. And you're very thankful to mm-hmm. mom and dad took you in. Yep. You're working a golf course, and then all of a sudden you make the extra money, like you said, and, and you're playing hockey and you're doing things like that. So it's a great story to see you get well, to the NHL. I, I appreciate it. And you know what? It's, it's just, uh, I think, you know, I see it. In society right now, we have, you know, these kids come out of college and they expect to make 150 grand a year their first year, you know, and you know what, I know what you did, you know, when you were starting in broadcasting and grinding and working in the, in minor ball and minor hot, you know, whatever it's, it's, if you're committed to it and, and you want it, you got to work at it. Nothing comes easy right now. So I just encourage it. If you, if you've got a passion for it, then, uh, then go ahead and do it. Coaching. You're around youth coaching, yeah, and you're helping out with your youngster. But Jamal Mayers is coaching. You think about Keith Kachuk, Al McKinnis, Jeff Brown. I'm, I know I'm missing guys, but it's amazing. Chris the, Pronger, Chris Pronger, uh, yeah. all those guys. I mean, yeah. the coaching that is available now to the youth, uh, the hockey programs in St. Louis is second to none. It's unbelievable. You know, the the AAA teams coached by Matt Lashoff, Joey Vitale, and Jamal Mayers. Like, do these wow. kids understand how lucky they are? Um, it's, it's incredible. You know, when I was playing, my dad was the coach and my dad was from England. He couldn't even skate (laughs) and he'd be running practice from the bench, you know, and no wonder I didn't didn't make it to the NHL, (laughs) but it is a testament to, to the alumni that have retired here.
here in St. Louis that have given back to, to minor hockey. And then uh, other than the alumni, there's a tremendous amount of great coaches and Kirkwood and Chesterfield and so on that give back. And, and uh, you know, I see it in private lessons. My son's got one today out in Pacific with Jeremy Dade. He te- so that's where our game's at now is, is uh, you know, that's why the kids are getting so good is because there is so much good coaching. When you stepped on the ice, was there a guy and you looked around and go, oh, my gosh, that's Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky. If you were still, I think Gretzky was 98. Got so you missed Gretzky by yeah. a year. Yeah. But was there anybody that you thought, man, this is pretty cool. Mario Lemieux. Mario yeah. Lemieux. You know, and he just, you know, Mario had this aura about him like a, a Michael Jordan. Uh, you know, the certain athletes that just have this aura about him. Mario Lemieux had that aura about him that when you saw him, you knew you were in the, uh, in, in a, around greatness. And, and, uh, still to this day, if I, if I would see him in Pittsburgh underneath, uh, by the dressing rooms, he'd give me a nod and say hi. And I was always, I was always starstruck. So he was good to you. Very good to me. Very good to me. And, and even though, you know, I didn't referee Wayne, I missed him by one year. As you know, we see him around here in St. Louis and, you know, having a beer with him at Sportsman's Pub, you, you listen to the stories and one of the most humble people you'd ever meet. You wouldn't know he's the greatest hockey player of, ever of all time. What are you most proud of? Uh, longevity, I think. You know, I, I was fortunate enough that I, I worked the Olympics in, in Sochi in 2014 and and that was a great experience and something that I was proud of. I was able to, to uh, I got selected to work the bronze medal game between USA and Finland and but I think just longevity we've had you know my time as a ref for 23 years there were a lot of guys that that came and and went that were released because of performance you know I was fortunate enough I think I worked playoffs 15 or 16 years in a row and so to me the league was like okay we can trust this guy because that's what it is all about when they put officials into the playoffs who they can trust in the big game and uh and i felt like i you know they could trust me and and uh, they had confidence in me work of finals i don't remember work of finals worked a bunch of uh conference finals all-star games, Winter Classics. I was. That's another one. You know, working the Winter Classic here in St. Louis was a big thrill. Having a lot of friends and family there. And funny story, they. Uh, I think Chicago was here. Was it Chicago or Detroit? I forget. I think it was Chicago. Was it Chicago? And going into that game, you know, I had so many f- friends and family here, and everybody that I know in St. Louis. And I real I. But put a lot of pressure on myself before that game not to make a weak call. It's not so much screwing up the game, but maybe I call a weak hook or a weak trip, and and it the game is decided by that. And the game went perfect. It, it went perfect, and I think Tarasenko had a couple goals. And as soon as the final buzzer went, I literally, and it gives me chills right now, I kind of teared up a bit on the ice because I felt like this all this pressure that I put on myself had now been been released, and I'm like, okay, nobody's talking about the refs. Right. And that's, I didn't want, this is my hometown. That's I didn't, the number one thing. That's the number one thing. I didn't want to walk around St. Louis for the next few, uh, you know, people look at me like I'm Don Deckinger, <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, you know, people don't, fans don't realize that, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Thank Thanks for your service to the National Hockey Thanks, League buddy. and what you're doing with kids and youth in the NHL, you know, your background and what you're doing for those kids. It's it's awesome, man. It Thanks, really buddy. is. I really appreciate you having me on. You got it. That's Tim Peel, longtime NHL ref. I'm Dan McLaughlin. BK and Ferrario, they're coming up next. 
You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.